his whole team was defeated. He was the last person standing in his way between the time Infinity Stone. And Iron Man had to fight Thanos. Now, Thanos is basically a god. He's like Hulk, but a Hulk that can do jujitsu, a Hulk that knows what he's doing, a Hulk that has conquered worlds, planets, galaxies. Thanos is the strongest being in the universe. And Iron Man, Iron Man, as a human being, has to fight him one-on-one. I mean, he's doing all the nanosuit gadgets, pulling out shields, holding, you know, putting on robotic gloves on Thanos's gloves so we can't close it and use his super powerful infinity stones to fight off Iron Man. I mean, this is the moment. Iron Man is one of the last steps between Thanos. And then he, you know, he puts Thanos, puts his hand basically handcuffed to the ground, punches him with like a mechanical punch to the face, almost like a, a hammer to Thanos' face. Thanos winces as his head's being pummeled, looks back at Tony Stark, Iron Man, and says, all that for a drop of blood. You see, sometimes it's, it's really funny, right? We forget... That the giants, the Thanoses, the big dogs, they, they actually bleed. And one of the interesting things about 2008 was we lost two giants, Lehman Brothers. And uh, what was the other one? It was like Barclays. was it? Fannie Mae. Uh, we, we actually lost a bunch. Merrill Lynch. All of these banks that just basically printed money year after year. Out of nowhere with a snap of their fingers, ceased to exist. I think NFTs are that next thing that banks are really, really scared about and need to pay attention to. Hi, my name is Fly Stewie. This is the Uneducated Investor Podcast, the podcast where we connect investing to pop culture. If you like the podcast, feel free to add me on Twitter. It's at Fly Stewie and give me a shout, give me a hello, and let's get better at investing together. You see, what was so interesting about as the internet really started developing was people were so hesitant to really like, I know you remember this, to see something online, you like it. And they have this little section where you can buy it online. Like you can buy it off eBay, off the store. You can, you know, go put in your credit card details. But at that point, you're like, am I just giving my numbers directly to the criminal that's going to steal my identity and be me for the next 10 years? Am I really going to trust my credit card online? Nowadays, like you can't even give your credit card information fast enough. Like you're mad when they ask you for too much information. Shipping details. Why do you need shipping details? I'm just ordering this thing online. Let me pay for my Apple Music subscription, my Spotify subscription, my Netflix. Why do you need my shipping details? It's online. Just take my money. You know? We forget how much our consumer behavior has changed. And 
Because of that, I think banks are at this very arrogant place. You know, they forget, even though that they're giants, that they bleed. We have seen, interestingly enough, record lows of interest rates, which for the very financially savvy, like some of you uneducated investors are, like myself, um, while I try to be financially savvy a lot of time, just I get the uneducated part. We see that, okay, we can't make any interest off of money we put in the savings account, but we can borrow for super, super cheap. And what has that caused? Record high stock markets. I mean, record amount of people are buying on margin, record amount of people are buying calls, record amount of people are just borrowing any money they can get and putting in the stock market because it is so cheap. I mean, just look at housing prices explode as people are just borrowing more and more and more money. One area the banks have really neglected though is the people who don't want speculative investments, but they do like making more than one or 2% a year. They haven't really thought about the products that they can put forward that has that risk prote protection, but also, you know, really, really, really um, capitalizes on that stock market appreciation. And I think this is where NFTs are really putting banks in a very vulnerable spot. You know, a couple months back, you may have known in the last podcast I mentioned this, but I bought an NFT from a guy named Gary V. NFT, non-fungible token. It's one of one. It's like a collectible Pokemon card online. It's verified that you are the purchaser and you are the owner. It's verified on the blockchain. I bought a V friend from Gary. That's the name of NFT. It's a pig. I love it. So cute. Um, bought this bad boy. And one of the perks that Gary V had for actually having this NFT was I was able to redeem another NFT. Um, this NFT was, you know, from the makers. I think it's called Avastar. Essentially, it's a, you know, randomly generated person. But at the same time, it's authenticated as one of one. So I am the only owner of this person. Um, a lot of you are thinking, is this something that people want? What, what is this? Why does this have value? Um, and you might be wondering, why did I buy that first V-Friend? The first V-Friend wasn't cheap. It was around $6,000 for a picture of a pig, a drawing of a pig. However, that pig gets me um, redeemable things like going to Gary V's. Uh, conference three times in the next three years if I want to. And another thing that it does is it's now paying me dividends. You see that free NFT that they gave me? Of course, NFTs are very volatile, volatile. So the you know the price today is not the price tomorrow. It could literally go to zero dollars in value. But that free dividend that I had a chance if I wanted to to sell it. After two days of me owning it, it was worth $1,000. Like, are, are you hearing me? I bought a $6,000 NFT, which has appreciated to over $40,000. $6,000 NFT, and I got a dividend worth $1,000 after three months of owning it. Where 
in the banking industry are we seeing returns like that? Now, of course, this is way more risky than a savings account. A savings account is like guaranteed your money's gonna be there the next day. Um, but what's interesting about the whole NFT concept that I just said to you is within the whole crypto world and crypto community, a lot of these quote unquote interest making opportunities are popping up and it's only a matter of time until the ease of entering into this world is available for the consumer. Why is that? Because the person who's able to get consumers connected with these easily accessible NFT or crypto opportunities, the person that is able to figure out the question of how do I get the average Joe to sign up for something that will make him more money than putting his money in the savings account? Well, that's a billion dollar opportunity right there. That's a, literally a billion dollar problem that you can solve. Another thing that people are really finding makes a lot of money is they're staking their crypto. Now, what does that mean? I'm gonna level with you, barely know. All I know is a lot of people who are staking their crypto investments, they are getting a return of 8% on their investment from staking crypto. Now, crypto is super volatile, so basically staking, you're like putting your crypto away in like a savings land in a sense. And while it's there, sure, it could go up 8%, but if that, you know, BTC to USD conversion drops 30%, then your thing going 10% is still 20% down. I know it's hard to hear percentages on a podcast, but there's a lot of risk along with staking, even though you're guaranteed 10%, it's like Brazil. You know, sure, you could put your money into a Brazilian bank account where the interest rate is up 10% every year. But if the price of their currency drops by 30%, you're definitely worse off because that rapid inflation has eroded your purchasing power. But what if you're bullish on crypto? That's where the real magic comes in. And with places like Voyager, with places like Coinbase, starting to get a lot of these consumers on board with the idea of easily accessible purchase, uh, crypto purchases, it puts banks in a really vulnerable place because as Coinbase builds out its infrastructure to really allow customers to easily buy crypto, I think the banks are gonna be busy playing catch up and they might all of a sudden remember that they bleed. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. If you love what you heard, make sure to give a five-star review on iTunes. Of course, that's how it grows. That's how this podcast game works. It pushes it out there, um, gets more people listening, and it's just a really nice gesture. I really appreciate you guys. And of course, you can hit me up on flight at flystuance at Flystone on Twitter, let me know your favorite crypto. Let me know if you think banks are going to be here for the long run. And let's get better at investing together. This podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. If you want to watch movies anywhere in the world, whether you're in the US and you want to watch UK movies, or if you just want a safe, reliable internet connection where you want to make sure that you're out on the go using Wi-Fi, but 
you don't want to have your data actually compromised when you're checking your investments. Use NordVPN. It is the best, number one, most reliable VPN service out right now. It's the one that I actually personally use. And for all the Flight Crew listeners, we actually have a cool deal when we partner with VPN, uh, NordVPN. So click the show notes. It helps support the podcast and also gives you the sweet benefits of getting a fast, reliable VPN. So again, within the show notes, within the comments of this podcast, you'll be able to see the NordVPN link. Click it there. It will help the show and give you that fast, reliable internet. Thanks, Flight Crew.